Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Celebrating 35 years of creativity and collaboration, the Vail Dance Festival returns July 28th through August 7th with 12 thrilling performances and numerous special events, including live podcast recordings of conversations on dance all across the beautiful Vail Valley. Don't miss the legendary Martha Graham Dance Company, LA Dance Project, Music from the Soul, Ballet X, Dance Aspen, and an all-star cast of festival artists from New York City Ballet, American Ballet Theater, the Royal Danish Ballet, Boston Ballet, and many more. Tickets for our live podcast recordings are now available at veildance.org slash conversations on dash dance or click the link in the show notes. Tickets for festival performances are also available now at veildance.org. See you this summer. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today on Conversations on Dance, we are joined by acclaimed ballerina Misty Copeland and Emmy Award-winning TV producer and writer Layla Fayaz. We talked to Misty and Layla about how they first met as young ballerinas at American Ballet Theater, reconnecting to create life in motion productions, the stories they want to tell in their new work, and their first short film, Flower, which recently premiered at Tribeca Film Festival. For more information on Flower and life in motion productions, follow at Oakland Flower Film on Instagram. Layla and Misty, thank you both for joining us. We're so excited to talk to you about your collaboration on the film Flower. But before we got into that, um, Layla, we haven't had you on the podcast yet. So we've got to get a little bit of background with Mm -hmm. you. But Misty, we haven't had you on in, I think, six years. (laughs) So, you know, a few things have happened with you. Um, But one that we always like to talk about, just because it's such a joyful thing, is um, you're a new mother. And Rebecca's also a new mother. So it's just something we always love to bring up on the pod. How has that experience been for you? I mean, I'm like, sorry, I'm looking down right now because I'm actually texting my husband to tell him to like keep Jackson away while we film or we record. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's been 
it's been um, everything and more than I imagined. Like I, I come from a big family. I'm one of six kids and I always knew that I wanted a family, but I'm, you know, as, as a woman, as an artist, as an athlete, like it's so hard to find that balance and, uh, and to, you know, make the time and, and still be able to continue on in your career and, and have there's, you know, it's so complicated. And, um, and I feel fortunate to have found the time and COVID was really, um, a blessing in disguise for me, um, for so many reasons, you know, having my son Jackson, I wrote two books, Layla and I really got life in motion off the ground because we had, you know, the time to really focus on it. I started my foundation. Um, so it's been a very productive time and, and flower, you know, was birthed during that time, which, um, was also another blessing in disguise with all of the challenges we had because of the pandemic. Oh, there's so much to talk about. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I just think you've been everywhere with all these sorts of things, but I do wonder like, what has it been like? I'm retired. So in my body, I can't even imagine, like I tried to do fifth position the other day and I was like, wow, what is this? This is very foreign. <laughs> and I feel like we maybe had our, I had my son August 1st last year. Was you around the same time? Uh, April, April. April okay. Second. So how is that body feeling getting back into ballet for you? <laughs> I'm really taking my time. You know, it's been, it's been a journey for me. I, um, I, you know, had the, my insane injury, um, about 10 years ago and I'm still, you know, the injury was really to prevent anything from happening further. I had six stress fractures in my tibia. And so it didn't, it didn't relieve the pain. So I'd been dancing the last, you know, before the pandemic, the last 10 years, um, with severe pain. So I'm really kind of taking a step back and taking my time, um, in terms of what that looks like for physicality and for my body, um, you know, having the opportunity to do all of these other things that are really working towards the same goal as I, you know, my whole career has been when I'm on stage. Um, and so it's, it's, I'm the, all of that to say, I'm not doing fifth position right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. That makes me feel better. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And and I'm really just taking, taking my time and and finding like a new fitness journey and, and we'll see when I get back. Layla, we want to hear a little bit about your journey with fifth position. I'd love to just hear (laughs) since it's your first time on the pod. Yeah. um, What's, what's your, uh, initial background in dance. Tell us a little bit about that. I started dancing when I was 10 or 11 years old. I'd taken gymnastics before that. I was always a little too tall for gymnastics either way, but I loved it. And, uh, and then my mom was like, oh, you can't do this anymore. Some of your friends are getting injured. I'm nervous. And now I understand as a mom, because I have a daughter in gymnastics, I can't even watch her do gymnastics. I get so <laughs> nervous. But um, so she made me stop and then was like, well, there's dance classes instead. I'll put you in ballet. And as soon as I started, I just like loved it. I mean, I was like um, a 10 year old with like six year olds because I didn't have any training. So um, I was like much bigger and and like it was awkward, but I didn't care. I, I, I was in the zone immediately. And I found, you know, a way to express myself, a, a, a way to get out of the house and kind of have my own world um, that was just mine. And I loved it. Um, and so I did that and I progressed really quickly because I did have natural ability, you know, good feet, as they say, and, mm-hmm. and a little <laughs> hyperextension in the legs, like all those, those things they used to say were great for dance. And so I ended up, um, 
getting a scholarship to go to the Herod Conservatory. So I trained at the Herod Conservatory for two years. And then I won the very first ever Youth America Grand Prix competition. It was the first year they ever did it. Larissa Savellian was like, yes, (laughs) Larissa was going around to the different schools looking for people and telling them to, you know, enter this competition. I did it. I won uh, regionals and then nationals and that I got the Grand Prix and that came with um, a, a studio company contract. And I actually turned the studio company contract down because um, that summer beforehand, I had gone to the Vail um, Valley, uh, what is it, the summer program there. And mm-hmm. I had an offer from the Stuttgart Ballet to train at their John Cranko school. They were going to wow. take me to the Prix de Lausanne. Yeah. And so I had already confirmed with them, like, this is what I was doing. So I turned down uh, studio company and I went to Germany for two months. And it was really difficult, I have to say, because there was culture shock. I was like 16 years old on my own, you know, didn't really like know what was going on and, and didn't didn't assimilate very easily into um, the school because they had all been there the entire year. And I, I just stepped in in the summer. Um, and then there were like other things. So it was, it was hard emotionally, I think, for me. And then I came back just for a two week break to the States um, and I went to a program at Kotzbahn. Um, that, you know, Martine Van Hamel and Kevin McKenzie had just started this dance program there. And um, I mean, now it's a much bigger thing. But again, first, one of the first years they were doing it. So I went and when I was there every day, like either Kevin McKenzie or um, John Meehan, who at the time was the artistic director of the studio company, would come to me at lunch, take me aside and tell me why I needed to join um, the studio company. Like I needed to change my mind. And and I'm like, well, I have all my stuff in Germany. And like, (laughs) you know, I'm only 16. I don't know what's going on to make these big life decisions. Um, But one of the things that they told me that they, you know, one of the things they were using to try to lure me was uh, we want to take you and one other dancer to China with the main company. Just you two. We're going to choose wow. you guys out of the studio company to go. And her name is Misty Copeland. Um, so it's just funny because like, you know, full circle now. Um, and even then, like, I was like, oh, that, that sounds interesting. Um, so they changed my mind and I ended up going to New York um, mm-hmm. and running the studio company. And I was sleeping on another dancer from the company's couch um, Adrian Schulte. And I met Misty and I met Misty the first week I was there and we just immediately hit it off. And we went to China, like what, a week later, Misty. (laughs) And we had all these adventures. Um, and we were just, we became best friends immediately. And we wrote this little book on our first tour with the company to China and it's somewhere we still don't know where it is. We think it's maybe with um, Misty's mother-in-law in storage or something. But what was the uh, book like? What was it about? Just like a diary, kind of. Yeah, it was like about our adventures as these two, the two youngest people in ABT at the time. You know, like and how we were trying to fit in and trying to get you know noticed and trying to do our best. Um, and obviously it was just really intimidating and difficult and, and, and just, yeah, we were playing Mariah Carey in the, in the hotel room at night and eating Pringles because there was no food that we could eat because we were afraid we were going to get like poisoned or something. Mm. I'm a huge lamb. So I know very much about Mariah shepherding you through the artistic experience. 
audiences. So <laughs> uh, I feel like publishing I, houses are listening, saying like, how do we find this book and get it out there? Because it <laughs> sounds so fun. <laughs> but also, I just think it just makes me think of like, it's ballet is so unique in that way. Like, I think it's so special that we, you know, most of our friends, many of our friends are people we've known for literal decades at this point. And you, you just have that implicit trust um, when you are in this point in your life right now where you're working together. It's like you've built years of trust and um, like dependency on one another. So it's so cool that you guys are able to collaborate in this way. Um, but let's Let's circle back to that. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. Um, yeah. I, we want to hear just quickly, Misty, about your book writing. I mean, this this book um, that you wrote about um, your mentor, Raven Wilkinson, what, what made you feel like that was an important story for you to get out there? Yeah, you know, it started... Um, well, Raven and I ha had such an incredible um, relationship, uh, you know, learning about her story at a, at a late stage in my career. I was a soloist. I had been a soloist for maybe four, four or five years already at that point at, at ABT. And um, and learning about her story um, gave me this different sense of kind of purpose and hope for not only my future, but the future of so many Black and brown dancers. And I felt like I had a different type of responsibility than I ever uh, thought I did um, in, in kind of carrying out uh, you know, the efforts of what so many black and brown dancers intended for their careers or, you know, dreamed that they could have had um, only, you know, half of what I have. And it's, it's just, it was amazing to actually meet her and, um, and share something really special. But it started with my book, Black Ballerinas, um, in, in wanting to be able to highlight different, different dancers, whether or not they had gone, gone on to dance in professional companies, but showing the journey of all of these dancers and that it's been this collective effort to get me to this point and so many other black and brown dancers and that they really are a part of ballet history, not black ballet history ballet history as as a whole. Um, and I got to to give a little glimpse of Raven's story as she was profiled in that book. Um, and then it came, uh, this idea kind of grew. Um, I had wanted to write a book about Raven for for many years, but it it transformed into it being about her impact on me and on the on the ballet world. Mm -hmm. um, and more about how she kind of pushed me um to see more in myself. And, um, and it was such an emotional journey. She had passed already. Um, I was pregnant at the time when I was writing it, I gave birth, finished the book, like two days later, it was such a crazy emotional and hectic time, but I think it just added to, um, the book in, in like a really meaningful and beautiful way. Oh, that's so beautiful. I like this, um, kind of theme of, you know, Missy, you were dealing with an injury with, you know, being pregnant and then not being, not having dancing in your life in that moment. And then kind of like finding these other ways to connect. And I think Layla kind of the same, right. Finding ways, how can we all still connect to ballet? And that's something that Michael and I certainly feel all the time too, which is why we like to do this. So how did the idea of you guys coming together and collaborating in a new way come about? I'm like, who wants to start? <laughs> I mean, so like I, I I stopped dancing professionally after only, well, one year in ABT. And then I was like, well, maybe I'm not, you know, fully content because I'm, I need to do like contemporary work. So I work, I danced mm -hmm. the ballet tech 
for a year. Um, and then so cool. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've taught for them and I, I know oh. Elliot well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I was like, Oh no, I, I think I just, this is not for me professionally. Um, mm-hmm. and there's so much like, and I know, you know, I know this is an, a newly ongoing conversation, which is a conversation that needs to be had, but about like mental health and, and how to, um, allow a dancer to phase into a company professionally, because it's very different from going from a school and being a student and then, and then being thrust into this like world. Um, So I think for me at the time back, that was back in like 2001 or whatever. um, It was, it was difficult like to go through that and to go through that on my own. And luckily I did have a friend like Misty, Um, but I ended up going back to school and studying film and television. And I, I became a TV writer and producer for the past 18 years. Um, And I think um, around 2015 or 2016, Misty and I we had a conversation. I was like, you should, you know, you're doing so much with your voice. Like it's, it's, you're amplifying your voice. Like you should have a production company. Like let's start a production company together. And she was like, I don't know what that would entail. And I was like, I don't (laughs) either, but I know a little bit about production. Like, let's see what we can do. And so that started our journey. Um, And, and I think like Misty said, like over the course of the pandemic was really when we buckled down and like figured out what we were trying to say and what we were trying to do with all of this. Um, so yeah, Misty, like, do you want to say more about like what, <laughs> what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I think that for me, um, it's always been difficult to see the way that ballet is, is, uh, perceived how, how it's, um, shown in film and on television and in, in media, because we, Layla and I have always felt like this is not a true representation of all of the layers and, and, um, all, all that we are as artists and, and ballet dancers, you know, it's so one-sided and, you know, and it keeps perpetuating the same tropes, um, and and we want to sh- to show like I, I always say I can't imagine you know a mother uh, you know parents watching the Black Swan and feeling like oh I want to put my child in ballet like I feel like it's totally. it's doing us <laughs> sounds great <laughs> right it's doing us a disservice and and mm-hmm. you know what what can what are the stories we can tell within this art form and beyond that are going to make people want to be a part of the arts and see the importance of it and see the value of it. And so it's kind of evolved from there. Um, You know, we definitely um, have a lot of uh, dance content that we're that we're um, developing. But but beyond that, it's really, I think, about telling authentic stories, uh, stories that, you know, about women, women of color, of artists, so we've got a pretty big range of 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 things that we're developing, um, but Flower, our short film that premiered, um, I guess two weeks ago now, maybe at Tribeca Film Festival, um, was really the first that has actually like we've seen through like mm-hmm. to fruition, um, and it's beautiful just how it how it came about during during the pandemic, and I think that it's a really good representation of who we are and our voice as life in motion productions. Um, and that sets us apart. That's really unique. And I don't think we've seen storytelling in this way. Um, and it's exciting. So you kind of developed this idea for the production company. You're talking about the stories you want to tell. You have ideas for projects. How does flower become your first priority and your first output? And tell us kind of how the initial idea came about for this particular film. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Misty um, had been performing and um, Nelson George, who did the documentary of Ballerina's Tale um, about almost 10 years ago now, he had gone to see Misty perform and afterwards they had a conversation and he was like, on stage, you're a storyteller and you're acting, right? And you're, I would love to translate that onto the screen. Like maybe that we can do like a silent film, you know, or play on a silent film. And so it sort of evolved from there. Um, then they came to me and we started, you know, developing this idea and figuring out what story we wanted to tell. Um, it, it really was came down to like, well, Missy, what story is important to you? What community is important to you? And we feel like, you know, ballets, classical ballets, full length ballets are stories that have a message and a theme, but they're all from like the 1800s, you know, and so... Yeah a lot of times they're not relatable or they don't feel current. And so if the, if the idea is to bring in new audiences um, to be exposed to dance and to be exposed to ballet, uh, you know, it's very hard to do that if you're showing them something that they don't relate to. And so we were focusing on this community in Oakland, California. Oakland is a city that's near and dear to Misty's heart. Her husband's from there. Um, and she's been going for like 15 years back and forth. And it has this incredibly rich social, um, cultural awareness. Like the kids are doing youth activism and there's all of these organizations that intertwine movement and art and music, um, and, and social justice. And so we were inspired by that community, but we also were like, what do we want to, what, what did they have to say? Like what's going on in that community? So we went and did a research trip in Oakland. Um, and we met with different organizations and kids and adults and the mayor. Um, and we, we noticed that there's a huge housing crisis because of gentrification, um, first because of big tech in Silicon Valley, but it sort of permeated in, and now we're seeing it across the country. There's a lot of homelessness and houselessness. And so we wanted to figure out a way to show that story, but not from the perspective that you've seen on screen before, which I think we all have this idea that we've of what like what a homeless person looks like from TV shows or movies. And it's always the same. It's like an older man of color, you know, wearing really scrappy clothes um, and kind of panhandling or something. And we're like, well, that's not the real story because 40 million Americans right now are in danger of becoming houseless. So of those 40 million, they don't all look the same, you know, Um, it can happen to anybody. And so we, we, the story that is being told, Missy's character, she stars in it and it's absolutely incredible. Um, it's it's about like a woman who who is in danger of losing her home, her childhood home. Um, and we ended up casting with uh, Christina Johnson, the legendary Christina Johnson from Dance Theater of Harlem. Uh, we also have Baba Tunji Johnson, who they're not related, even though they're both Johnsons, but um, <laughs> He's an, he has an incredible story himself and he's absolutely incredible dancer. He can move, he moves like so fluidly and he can do any style. He's was self-trained. Now he dances a lot with lines ballet, but he choreographs as well. And he started with break dancing, can do pretty much do anything. Um, so the two of them were our main co-stars with Misty. And then we had people from the community be a part of the film. That was really important. Mm. To us. Like we're telling their story. We want them to be telling their own story. 
So we have turf dancers, which is another really interesting thing. Dance, you know, is universal and every city has their own style of dance that they've created on the streets or, you know, in different communities and neighborhoods. And so there in Oakland, it's turf dancing. And so there's lots of turf dancers in the film and we even feature some baby ballerinas. Um, and so, yeah, so like that, it all sort of came together. I mean, it was definitely a difficult process doing it during COVID and during the pandemic, um, lots of challenges and things like that, but that it, it came into this beautiful picture and everybody we've shown so far, the film has really resonated on so many different levels, like whether it was just connecting so much with Missy's character or, and what she's dealing with in the film, her mother has, Christina Johnson has dementia um, you know, or if it was somebody who has experienced houselessness in their life or just young kids who are loving dance and loving the music that we have in there. We had Raphael Sadiq did the music. Um, so overall, like it's been an amazing and rewarding experience to put the film out into the world because we're like, wow, people like it and they get it. And like <laughs> you make more of this kind of stuff. I don't think it was even, I think that, um, you know, we, again, we've, we've been during the pandemic, we've been pitching many shows and developing many shows. So it wasn't that we were like, oh, flower is going to be the first. It just mm. happened to be first. Oh. Um, and, and once we realized, you know, what it could be, we, we, you know, we really put all of our focus in, mm -hmm. into it, um, but it just happened right be the first one to, to develop and come to fruition. Yeah. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Could we hear a little bit more about the, the filming process you've already brought up? It was during COVID, so there's just so much to dive into, like the logistics of that. And, you know, the story is, it's heavy business, you know, like that, was it emotionally wearing on you guys as you're, you're in the filming process, kind of just go through what the day-to-day -day was like for us. We're laughing because there's just, there's so many layers to it. And I'm I think sure. it's important for people to hear, you know, um, that nothing's easy in life. And, <laughs> and, and I think there's something so beautiful about going through the process like this. And when creating art, it makes you appreciate it more. It, it really allows you to like really dive in and understand the characters more. I think when you have the time and, and you're as um, hands-on as Layla and I have been as producers throughout the entire project, you know, I mean, of course I was in it, but we didn't kind of just step back as producers and let things happen. We were, it was really collaborative, whether it was with Alonzo King, who was, you know, choreographer, our director, Lauren Feinerman, Rich and Tone, who were choreographers for the street dancers, or mm -hmm. even you know, 
just with within the community, allowing their voices to be heard and really be a part of um, the story that we were telling. But um, Layla can, I guess, walk you through the process of like from beginning to end of what it took from raising the funds to finding the right mm. uh, um, team to the editing process. It's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. Right. Somebody told me, I think it was uh, Mary Jo when we were at the Jacob Burns Center, but she said something like, um, she always says like, if you want to get something done, give it to a dancer. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We like always find a way, like there's something about, and, and I think that's so, so important too, with like Missy and my story. Like I didn't continue on dancing in the ballet company, but the, the skills that I learned from being a classically trained dancer or dancer in general and being in a company and then going into, you know, a prof- another profession, like those skills, like take, they take, they can take you anywhere. You know, it's, it's that determination and that hard work ethic, the ability to like put on the blinders and like, just go. Um, so yeah, we did have a lot of challenges and a lot of stress, <laughs> very stressful process, but I, I think I would encourage people to do something like this because you're not relying, you know, all of our other development that we're doing, we are, you know, it's like we have these gatekeepers who are telling us whether we can go or not. We're waiting for this green light all the time. And even when we get a green light, sometimes it doesn't end up working out. Like we're just constantly throwing coals in the fire because it's not, our fate is not in our hands. But with this, it was like, we did everything from start to finish. It made it so much harder, like so much harder. <laughs> but the, like Misty said, like it, it feels so much more like gratifying, gratuitous because we did it all on our own and we made it happen. Like it was the only person who was going to do it was us. So we, it started with like fundraising, um, you know, which is, which was very challenging. And I think going into it, um, Misty would always say like, I, I want to make sure people don't think like, we're these two little dancers because that sometimes dancers get like pigeonholed in that way as well, because there's such a like hierarchical structure in the dance studio where you have your, mm-hmm. your teacher or your coach and then you're it's always like student teacher type of thing so we can be very like yes yes you know um and so this was really just like being a boss <laughs> like like mm-hmm. we're gonna come in here and we're gonna pitch you and we want to we want you to give us money to make this film and believe in what our idea is um so that was like it was a learning process to even get to that point and then of course to get the enough money and funding to make the film was tough, um, especially during a pandemic when like no one knew it was happening. Um, but we did it. We did it. And I think like it's a testament also to Misty and her work ethic. Like it's taken her through her whole career of being incredibly resilient, regardless of like how people may have viewed her um, or stigmatized her or thought that, you know, you know, oh, I'm not, we're not going to give you this opportunity. Like she made her own opportunities and she figured it out. And she was constantly coaching me and cheering me on, which is so necessary. You always need somebody to, you always need to have somebody in your corner. And she was like, every time like something wasn't going right, she's like, it's okay. Just keep going. Just keep Mm -hmm. going. And so we did. And, um, we got to the point where we raised the funds and we get to, we got to Oakland so that we could shoot a concept trailer, like not even like the full film, like something to get more money to make a full Mm -hmm. film. And we did it and we put it together in like 72 hours and we came back to New York City and a week later, everything was shut down. It was like March, you know, 7th, 2020. And then like March 13th, 2020, everything got shut down. But even there, like we still buckled down during the time when everyone was just like at home, like 
you know, binge watching shows and things like we, we got on the computer and we're doing zooms with people. And luckily people were like interested and they were like, we want to see, we believe in you, Misty. And I guess we believe in you too, Layla, because that's you. <laughs> but, um, and we want to see what you can make and what you can do and, and to keep going. Like so many people are like so supportive of Misty at this stage in her career, because it's like, she has already done so much, like show us what else you can do. Um, and this is the next iteration of that you know it's getting getting um a film like this or or exposure in more households and out there so that people start to normalize this experience this arts experience um and it doesn't become something that's niche or that you have to have been exposed to by your parent you know it's, it's just like a community thing um so yeah so i think that those were all challenges getting us to that point and that process and then like shooting was was difficult because again it was during the pandemic we had to do extra we had to pay a lot of money to do extra testing and safety procedures for covid um we ended up getting a false positive on set and having to shut down the production for a whole day which out of you know 6 days that was a big one for us we lost a lot of um you know, precious footage. And so uh, then we had to regroup and every time, again, like these are all these challenges and roadblocks that are happening and we had to regroup and figure out how we were going to finish the film. So months later we went back and we shot again, but at that time, Misty was pregnant. So um, we then had to figure out how we were going to shoot this. To shoot uh, from, you know, yeah. up. That's it. Up. <laughs> it was the big dance scene that we were we hadn't shot. So it was crazy. I remember Layla, we shot it at um, the Orange County Performing Arts Center. And um, which wasn't, you know, we had a, a theater booked in Oakland originally. Um, and it was a blessing in disguise. But I remember Layla arriving on the set and seeing me in this costume. And the first thing she was like, oh, my God, your boobs are so big. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I know. What you? So I was like, trying to get continuity. You know? I was just going to say continuity. Oh, no. <laughs> That's so good. But yeah, I mean, those yeah. those extra scenes that we had to go back and reshoot ended up being my favorite scenes in the whole film. Um, I think that every time we had these challenges and these things that came up, like the when we pivoted and we found a solution, as dancers do, um, it always turned out to be better, a better outcome. So it was always like, OK, happy accident. We'll find something better. Your next yeah. project's going to feel so easy. You're going to be like, oh, we don't have to go through any of these hoops. Awesome. <laughs> Baptism True. by fire with this one. <laughs> yeah. The, the editing process to me, it was it was such a big learning curve, but also like really like gratifying, like um, to, to really be a part of, you know, that's another aspect of storytelling that mm-hmm. I'd never be un, like knew about to in order to right. really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we finally got something we were like happy with, then it was like, okay, well now we need to get it out there. And so, um, Layla went through the whole process pretty much on her own, um, submitting to all the festivals. Um, and we really, we came up against another issue, which we weren't really aware of when we made the film, but it's, it's a long short, so it can't really fit into a shorts program within a film festival because it's 28 minutes long. Um, we were very fortunate with Tribeca that they just fell in love with it and they decided to give us a standalone like premiere screening, um, which doesn't happen with shorts. Um, so it, 
a really beautiful experience. And then they ended up finding a way they made us the last in their shorts program, but it, but it did take away like spots from a lot of shorts because we took a chunk of time. Mm -hmm. So we learned a lot. We learned a lot with this, but, but really our, you know, our intentions were to get it out there to as many people. We're doing a ton of screenings at different organizations and, and schools, public schools for, for children to be able to see it and see this form of storytelling. Um, But, you know, we're looking for distribution and we're hoping um, that this would be the first episode in a series, uh, you know, of using this form of storytelling with, you know, social justice and, and focusing on different communities and what they're going through in these communities. And also, highlighting the dance styles within these communities. You guys are setting up free viewings. Is that right? If people listening wanted to try to do that in their community, tell us how uh, they can go about it. So um, we're working on social impact screenings across the country and maybe even internationally as well. Um, if you go to at Oakland Flower Film, it's our Instagram handle. There is a link there uh, that will tell you how to submit a request to be part of the, so- the social impact screening tour. Um, and so we're there. They've been free. Um, you know, there is also an option for us to make an appearance if we're able to. Um, but really, the point is to just get it out there, get this kind of content out there, the power of media, film and television and multimedia uh, to shape minds. And and it's like everything that we perceive about the world comes from what the content that we're taking in. So for us to tell these positive stories, but also expose people to the arts and specifically dance and ballet, um, it's really important. And we're hoping that this will be like really effective. Right. I think what you're doing is super important and and beautiful, but I want to circle back to something that I I feel like is equally important to this storytelling. And it's that you guys, like A, the amount of work that you've done, you put into it, but also I think it's important to know that people are successful and, um, and who are guiding these stories like you guys, you know, you, you do experience imposter syndrome. It's such a dancer thing, you know? that like you can you go back to that like you said like student teacher mentality but that you you bonded together and supported one another to to push past that and to make this project happen i think that's also a uniquely dancerly thing but it is it is funny how we can just like kind of like gaslight ourselves <laughs> into thinking that we don't deserve something or we're like we can't do something because we're we're so highly skilled in one arena and then you kind of have an expectation that maybe like you have to be as good as that in other things, but you, it, you can, it's okay to learn and to grow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like um, we've been really, Missy and I have spoken about this a few times, but we've been really honest and, and straight forthcoming about that. This is the first time we're going through this process. I'm like, you know, I, I'm an Emmy winning TV producer and writer, like I, for 18 years, that's a long time, but I've never made a film. You know, and so we've been really like open with people about that. Sometimes people have taken advantage of that, of us. Um, and then other times people like it makes them maybe not, you know, have faith in us or have trust in us. But I think at the end of the day, like the support that we have for one another helps to keep us like on the track of like, we can get this done. And then I told Misty after Tribeca, I was like, I was like, this isn't, this is 
we can do this. Like, this is easy. Like, <laughs> not rocket science. Like, we got this. But it was only after going through the whole process of like experiencing it and learning it that I'm like, okay, we can do this now. Number one, we're moms. So we're superheroes already from that. Mm-hmm. And number two, we're, we're dancers. We can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also it could be easy for people to think like, oh, it's Misty Copeland. Like she, the opportunities just fall in her lap. Like that might be something that people can think. And so I think it's so important to hear how much like work you guys had to put in kind of regardless. Yeah. It's been, it's been interesting. Um, you know, it's not hard for us to, um, have a door open for us and get a meeting. Sure. Um, our, I'd say 90% of the time our experience has been that everyone shows up to those meetings because they want me to sign books for their kids and take Mm. pictures and that's it. And then nothing comes of it. And and it's really just like a free opportunity for them to have like a meet and greet. And then, Mm. you know, maybe they don't, um, they, they don't know what we're capable of and they, and so, you know, it's just, we just have to keep going. Um, you know, we had to take, you know, things into our own hands and really create something on our own and say, this is what we can do this. And, and I, and so that's why I think flower is so special as our first film, because it's something that we did on our own. Um, but going back to what you were saying about like imposter syndrome, I think that it's important to like recognize, um, the value that we bring from our experiences that we may not have all the skills yet to do the specific thing, but we bring so much value from what we've learned as dancers, from what Layla has also learned as, as a writer and producer, and that there's so much to um, take from that. Mm -hmm. I I loved what Layla said, where you were just like, I have an Emmy. (laughs) (laughs) Remind yourself, right? You're just like, I'm good. I have have value. Well, I, I, I bring up like the moment when we were trying to fundraise and somebody said something like, um, well, you're going to have a hard time fundraising because if people know you just had a baby. And I was just like, I, I, I remember being 50s, like, what? Like, I just had a baby. Like, I'm feeling really good about myself because I just had a baby. You know, I can do anything. That's like crazy. But I also think back to like when I was dance. I, I mean, I'll never forget one time when I was starting point work and my shoes, there was like blood coming through my point shoes. Right. Like, and I just kept going and like, you just keep like you blisters and all this, and you just keep dancing every day. You come into the studio. You're so sore. You're like, I can barely walk. I I can barely climb the subway stairs to get to the studio. But once you get in the studio, you do it. And to get through that kind of like pain and mental um, strength, I think is like no other, like you can't tell me I can't do something at this point. (laughs) Right. So good. I love it. So, so Flower is just the first in what we hope are many productions. Can you tell us a, a few things you have in the pipeline right now? Yeah. Layla, do you want to? <laughs> yes. So we are really excited because we've been working for actually a couple of years now on um, a feature film about Maria Talchi. Uh, so that wow. should be really exciting. And we've been doing like a lot of, we're, we want to make sure we're really authentic um, to the story. And so we have some very important people as part of the project um, who will help us get to that authentic part. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also working on some animated series. Um, we're working on a documentary about Misty at this stage in her career, which I think is something that's so relatable to so many people. Um, and just this iconic, 
you know, figure who has paved a path for so many and like, what's next? What's the next chapter? Um, and what else, Misty? What what else do we have on the list? We've got a bunch of stuff going on. <laughs> I'm like, there's there's a lot of things. I don't know what we can and can't talk about. Um. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that after a project like this that had so many hurdles that you had to overcome, it could have been possible to be like, okay, we've done that. Now we know what that's like. Check that off the bucket list. But it certainly sounds like you guys are even hungrier than ever to continue with this project. And so I think that's so great. And we absolutely look forward to seeing what you guys um, create in the future. But I just wonder overall what you hope that audiences take away from this beautiful film. Mm. I, you know, I hope that they see this form of storytelling and, and that they can relate to it and that they understand it and they see the power of dance and the power of movement and that it's universal, um, that they see the hope and resilience within this story, um, that it all comes back to everything that I'm always talking about is having, having a support system, having a circle of people around you that you trust and believe in you. And community is such a big part of that. And I think within this film, um, that it's really about community and knowing that you're not in this alone in this life and in this world. Um, yeah, the, be- the beauty of movement and storytelling um, on film. Layla, any, any last thoughts? <laughs> um, I agree completely what Missy said in terms of like the film itself. Um, I think also like from the outside of the film, the story of how we made it and how we got it out there. Um, I think that that is a great testament to all of the things she said about the film, like community and friendship and uh, support, um, you know, belonging, like all of those, all of those elements. Um, and then of course, like the, the homelessness issue, the housing crisis, like this is something that we all need to take a closer look at and see how we can help affect the change, you know, and, and how we're connected to the, these stories. And this is stuff that's happening in all these, you know, in our backyard. And so I hope that people just have some more empathy for this and see what, if they can help and join the cause. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. We hope all of our listeners go seek out the film and we would love to have you back on to talk about any of your future projects. I mean, a Maria Tall Chief feature, sign me up. Absolutely. I'm a Maria Stan. <laughs> <laughs> and thank I you think, both so much. I think the moral of the story is if you want something done, have a dancer do it. We're going to put it on a pillow, <laughs> embroider it. <laughs> thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Conversations on Dance is part of the ACAST Creator Network. For more information, visit conversationsondancepodpod.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.